This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, December 20th, 2020. On this day in 1917, the first Russian Soviet secret police, known as Cheka, was established. The force was the precursor to the infamous KGB. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of crimes against humanity, including torture and mass murder, that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the founding and expansion of Cheka, Soviet Russia's first secret police force. Let's go back to December 20th, 1917, to St. Petersburg, known at the time as Petrograd. Outside, brutal winter winds howled against the doors of the new Bolshevik government's headquarters. Inside, the atmosphere was just as unforgiving. Bolshevik party members and state reporters shed their coats as they sat packed together in a boiling hot room awaiting the day's speech. The air was tense with anticipation, and the crowd hummed with rumors. The October Revolution just two months before had brought on wave after wave of massive change. The Tsarist government had been overthrown, the Red Guards occupied Petrograd's old government buildings, and the long-exiled Vladimir Lenin had returned to the motherland to become chairman of a new Soviet Russia. But just 13 days before, on December 7th, Lenin himself had drafted an emergency decree to install an organization the likes of which Russia had never seen. The objective of the organization was to enforce the suppression and elimination of counter-revolution and sabotage activities across Russia from whom they may come. Those words, from whom they may come, were as ominous as they were vague. Their enemy was clearly the anti-revolutionary White Army, and yet these words implied otherwise. But the man Lenin had appointed to be the chairman of this new organization inspired just as many confused and fearful whispers. Felix Edmundowicz Dzerzhinsky was the son of a Polish aristocrat who had turned into a Bolshevik revolutionary in his youth. He was a relentless man and fanatically dedicated to the cause. In fact, at that point, the 39-year-old Felix had spent most of his adult life in and out of Russian imperial prisons. He had been arrested five times for his revolutionary activities and was sent to Siberia for exile on numerous occasions. 
but time and time again, he would manage to escape in some spectacular fashion. He was a true Bolshevik hero, but not one who let glory go to his head. Within the party, he was known as incorruptible, a true idealist who was so committed to communist values that he did everything willingly and with 100% effort. Once, he even scrubbed down the cells where he and some fellow prisoners were being kept. He hadn't even been ordered to do it. Needless to say, his reputation preceded him, and his appointment by Lenin was no surprise. But today, Dzerzhinsky would be making his first address to party members since his official appointment. The room was eager to find out more about the new organization that had been shrouded in secrecy since Lenin's decree. The hall continued to buzz with murmurs as they waited, but as Felix Dzerzhinsky entered and made his way to the podium, the room fell silent. Dzerzhinsky was a rather tall but unassuming man with an unkempt goatee and a scruffy uniform. As he looked out at his fellow party members in the hall, his deep eyes blazed with intensity. At first, he addressed them quietly, but soon his voice grew to match the ferocity of his gaze. Our revolution is in serious danger. The forces of our enemies are organizing. The counter-revolutionaries are at work and are organizing their groups in various sections of the country. The enemy is encamped in Petrograd at our very hearth. Dzerzhinsky went on to describe the threat to their revolution, one that had wormed its way among its citizens. The enemy could be everywhere, even in the Bolshevik party itself. Suddenly, the men and women realized who Lenin was referring to with those ominous words. He wasn't just out to squash the White Army, he was after the Russian people as well. Coming up, the Red Terror begins. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On December 20th, 1917, the new chairman of Soviet Russia, Vladimir Lenin, 
appointed party member Felix Dzerzhinsky as head of a new government organization. It was known as the All-Russian Extraordinary Commission for Combating Counter-Revolution and Sabotage, or for short, Cheka. In the beginning, Cheka's primary objective was to act as a temporary institution that would weed out political opposition until Lenin had adequately consolidated power. They were to investigate and interrogate dissidents suspected of counter-revolutionary crimes, and then hand them over to be tried. But the Cheka Code of Conduct was kept deliberately vague, and its power grew quickly. Soon, anti-revolutionary suspects never made it to tribunals. Instead, the Cheka began dealing with these individuals their way, using a combination of threats, interrogation, and torture. They used whatever means necessary to root out opposition, and more often than not, their so-called investigations ended in swift execution without trial. And the organization quickly cultivated an air of terrifying mystique. Cheka officers or Czechists were easily identifiable by their heavy boots and black leather trench coats. They traveled in vehicles disguised as delivery trucks. Nicknamed Black Marias, they were outfitted as mobile prisons used to abduct and transport suspected enemies of the state. Journalist and former revolutionary David Shubb describes the Cheka's nightly raids in his biography on Lenin. He explains, the Cheka's moved from the dark streets into apartment houses. Towards dawn, they returned with their hall. Little time was wasted sifting evidence and classifying people rounded up in these night raids. With or without perfunctory interrogation, they were stood up against the courtyard wall and shot. The staccato sounds of death were muffled by the roar of truck motors. The Cheka had a list of enemies, which included members of the White Army or former imperialists. But their victims also came to include the bourgeoisie, who either had an income of 500 rubles a month or owned property worth more than 1,000 rubles. They even came after the wives and adult children of Bolshevik deserters. Eventually, the list grew even longer. The Czechists began looking for enemies where there weren't any. Peasants, factory workers, clergymen, and even members of their own party all fell victim to the Cheka. No one, it seemed, was safe from being accused of being an enemy of the state. This period of brutality became known as the Red Terror. At the time, thousands of suspected dissidents were arrested, tortured, and killed by the Cheka. In 1919, overwhelmed by the number of prisoners in their custody, they established the first Soviet labor camps, known as gulags. The gulags stretched across northern Russia and remote areas of Siberia. There, prisoners suffered through horrifying conditions. Perhaps deliberately, the gulags resembled the czarist prisons that Felix Dzerzhinsky, the head of the Cheka, had spent much of his life inside. The Czechists didn't hesitate to use the most horrifying tactics of their former overlords. Different Cheka headquarters reportedly specialized in various forms of torture. For instance, in Kharkov, victims were scalped, while in Voronezh, they were rolled inside barrels pierced with nails. 
As these abhorrent practices began to spread, it became clear that the ranks of the Cheka were populated by sadists. Even Dzerzhinsky was aware of the issue among his men, claiming that the work of the Cheka could only be done by saints or scoundrels. He stated, but now the saints are running away from me and I am left with the scoundrels. The abuses only grew worse as Cheka's numbers ballooned. By 1921, the Cheka had over 200,000 members, but that would be as large as it grew. The Cheka dissolved in 1922, but even then, Soviet Russia's secret police force wasn't disbanded. Instead, it was renamed the State Political Directorate, or the GPU. Much like the original Cheka, Dzerzhinsky continued to be its chief of command until his death in 1926. From that point on, the Soviet secret police would operate under many names. The NKVD of the 30s, the NKGB of the 40s, MVD in the 50s, and finally the KGB until the Soviet Empire's fall in 1991. Later investigations uncovered the extent of the Cheka's crimes. Mass graves were found throughout the country. Almost no Russian citizen was left without missing, murdered, or traumatized family members. And yet, it's impossible to accurately count the number of people who met their end at the hands of the Cheka. The Soviet Union itself estimated a suspicious figure of just under 13,000 but some state that the number is likely closer to 20 million throughout the decades. Perhaps Felix Dzerzhinsky was the only man who knew the true figure. At a Bolshevik New Year's Eve party in 1918, Dzerzhinsky had more than his share of champagne and approached Vladimir Lenin. In a moment of guilt, he drunkenly told the Soviet leader, I have spilt so much blood that I no longer have any right to live. You must shoot me now. Lenin never fulfilled Dzerzhinsky's request. The victims of the Cheka, however, weren't shown the same mercy. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Garland, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Adriana Romero. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, there's no better time than right now to open your heart to the hit Spotify original from Parcast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if personality alone is enough to make a love connection. Follow Blind Dating, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.